welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I'm joined by Scott Nagy, who recently finished his seventh year as the men's basketball head coach at Wright, Straight, Wright State, and I believe overall uh, 28 years now as a, as a college head, head coach. Right, Scott? Yeah, just, just a year short on both of those. So sixth year at Wright State, and oh. 27th year, I'm, I'm starting my 28th year this year. All right. Well, I got to know you, of course, back in the early 1980s when you were a student at Centennial High School and uh, a member of that 84 team, the first one ever from Centennial to make the state tournament. So uh, you've uh, obviously been in involved with basketball for a long time. Your, your dad, Dick, was uh, assistant coach uh, for the Illini for years and years. I imagine you literally grew up on a basketball court, didn't you? I did, and my dad didn't want me to coach. I think after being in it all the years that I have, I understand why he didn't want me to coach. Uh, but, I, you know, I think it's much more important to do what you love and what you know, and it's pretty much all of that, all that I knew. And I've been pretty fortunate to uh, have really good success and, and get to coach a lot of good players. I wonder though, as, as you got into it and, and had that success, did your dad kind of change his tune a little bit? And was he glad you got into the coaching? No, I, I think just about every year he continued to tell me it's not too late to get out. <laughs> and I, you know, I think mostly as I, continued in and particularly as I became a head coach I think it was much more difficult for him uh, to watch and and uh, just the anxiety of it all I think was was hard for him and I think it would have been much easier for him had I not been in it. Do you think was part of the difficulty the fact that he was just an assistant coach for so long and and never had that uh, opportunity to, to lead a program or not? No I uh, uh, you know, he was a head coach early in his career. I know late in his career, it was, it was all as an assistant. But, uh, you know, he, he just understood the, the difficulties, the stress, the anxiety that goes with coaching, uh, you know, the changes in athletics and the players that you coach, uh, all of those things. Uh, he, he understood that. And I think at some point, you know, it was so hard on him. It's, it's why he got out of it. Uh, because it became so difficult for him. He, he just had a certain way of thinking. And as society changes, you kind of have to change with it. And if you don't, then it's going to be much more difficult. And I think that's one of the reasons why he got out. And uh, he never really tried to tell me how to coach. He never offered any advice unless I asked for it. He, he, he you know, didn't step outside of those bounds. But uh, I, I just know, uh, you know, having a son that's in it, uh, was very difficult for him and very stressful for him. And it was hard to be at games. It was hard for him to just watch it on the computer. It was much easier for him for somebody just to tell him what happened. This was the score, uh, just so that he didn't have to go through the mental gymnastics of watching the game. Well, how about for you growing up? What, what was it like to, uh, you know, have the assembly hall kind of, you know, like a, a gym where you could go and shoot around and, and then have somebody like Lou Henson that, uh, you know, a National Hall of Famer that uh, you could talk to and, and talk a little basketball with? Oh, that was great. Uh, you know, I, I, it wasn't just at the assembly hall where I grew up. You know, I was, by the time Dad got there, I was in eighth grade, almost in high school. And, and so I'd obviously done a lot before that. So I'd always grown up around it, always had access to gyms and things like that. Now I grew up mostly playing outside, which I enjoyed. Uh, you know, players don't hardly do that anymore. Uh, and, and I understand that. I, I don't, you know, I don't think that 
there's any right way to do it. I, I just think they're so used to being in a gym now, but I had access to both. And so I was thankful for that. Uh, but, but, you know, as I got into my coaching career and, and left Delta state and came back to Illinois, that was probably the, the, the best thing for me to be around coach Henson and the staff and get to sit in on uh, preparing practice and game preparation, all those things, uh, you know, was, was a uh, very, uh, advantageous thing for me, for sure. Most people didn't get that. You know, the, the interesting thing about the uh, Centennial High School team you played on, you, you moved to Champaign right before high school. I believe Roger McClendon uh, also moved to Champaign right before high school. You guys became teammates. Uh, of course, Roger went on, had a great career at Cincinnati, and uh, just part of that first Centennial team ever to, to make state. Talk a little bit about being part of that uh, history-making process. Yeah, I think uh, J.R. Hewley was another one that, that moved in and, and from, from Rantoul, yes. I didn't necessarily grow up in Champaign. Uh, but we had, I, I think we had eight seniors on that team, all very good players. Uh, obviously, you, you know, you have a McDonald's All American on your team, it, it changes everything and makes everything easier for everybody else. But, but we did have uh, good high school basketball players, dedicated guys that, that wanted to do well. And I think, you know, for the most part, I mean, you, you just look at that team and, and all eight of those seniors played quite a bit and, and were, were leaned on pretty heavily. Uh, and it, it, it just reinforces what I think, quite frankly, and I'm not saying Coleman wasn't a good coach, but uh, I, I know this to be true, that I'm a good coach when I have good players and I'm not a good coach when I don't. And, uh, you know, you look a couple years after that and I think they went, they, they didn't win a basketball game. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, the players, quite frankly, are the most important thing. And we, we had a bunch of, of really good players and one great player. And, and uh, we, we, we messed. I think we finished 26 and four, had a great year, really enjoyed uh, playing with all those guys. They were all very dedicated uh, to, to being good basketball players and, and uh, you know, just great memories for sure. And of course, the, the difference there is the fact that, uh, you know, somebody like Coleman at the high school level, he has to take whatever players are there. He can't go out and recruit. And you at the college level, you're, you're kind of responsible for the players you have because of the, the recruiting aspect. So that's a, a huge difference, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I whenever I speak at coaching clinics, uh, you know, that's one of the things I mentioned. I think high school coaches really are better coaches than college coaches because we can go recruit and, and, bring players in that really fit the kind of system that we want to run where a high school coach. And I say this tongue in cheek because there's quite a few high school coaches that do a pretty good job of recruiting, maybe better than we do, even though they're not supposed to. But for the most part, they have to take the players that they're given and, and learn how to win with those players. And, and it may mean that they need to adjust uh, their system you know, where a college coach doesn't really have to adjust his system as much because we just go recruit the guys that fit our system. Do you remember ever wanting to do anything or being be anything other than a coach or not? Uh, not really. I, you know, my dad talked me into going into business when I went to Delta State. I was a business management major, which I'm not sure how much of any of that degree I use at all. Uh, and and obviously to, to go back to Illinois and get my master's and take advantage of my dad being at the University of Illinois and getting to be a GA and do all those things. You know, the probably the only other thing that I really ever looked at doing was was joining uh, the staff uh, with Athletes in Action. 
but you know, I just, I just, it, it was just really all I knew was, was basketball. And, and so at some point I knew that, that that's what I wanted to do was, was jump in and, and be a basketball coach. And of course, your years as a grad assistant at Illinois was during the, the Flying Illini uh, era, which was probably, if not the best, certainly one of the, the two best uh, teams uh, Illinois produced. So talk a little bit about being around that group. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it would be easy to argue that it was the best team that Illinois ever had, even though they didn't make the championship game. Uh, when you look at the at, at where those players went on after that and the, the talent that was on that team, it was incredible. And the team that we lost to Michigan, I mean, you're probably looking at 10 or 11 pros on the floor at one time. I mean, it was it was an incredible, really, uh, two groups of players. And we whipped Michigan twice that year. Uh, hard to beat a team that has four or five pros on it three times, and, and we almost did that. But, you know, it's just, it's just part of the, the opportunity that I've had to – to be a part of really good teams. And that was the start of it. It, uh, you know, I, I was on a good high school team. I was on great college teams. Then I got to go in the, the, the very first season that, that I ever was even part of coaching, go to the final four. And so it all, it all kind of felt like it was pretty easy to that point. So you say that your, your dad didn't really offer a lot of advice and, and so on and so forth. Uh, how about Coach Henson while you were there? Did, did he give you some tips and pointers or is it more just kind of what you picked up by, by listening and, and observing? Yeah, I think most, more, more so just by listening and observing. And, and uh, you know, I mean, he, he allowed me to sit in on every day when we, when we prepared practice and when we prepared for games and do all those things. And so that's how I learned. And, and uh, I get sit there with, with, with Coach and, Mark Coombs and, and my dad, and Jimmy Collins. And uh, uh, it, it was just, you know, I, I think that all that stuff uh, was very invaluable. Also, you know, it's incredible. Jim Phillips was there too, who now is the, is the commissioner of the ACC. Right. And, and uh, John Giannini, who, who was there with, with me my first year, who, uh, you know, was a coach at LaSalle and went to the final 16. So, we had, I mean, we just had a lot of people there that, that I could be friends with and learn from. And, and uh, so there's just a lot of really good basketball experience. So you mentioned that you went to school at, at Delta State. Where, would you ever have imagined that about 30, 35 years after you graduated, your, your season record, your game record, your career record for assists would still be standing there? Uh, you know, I think, I think I had the benefit of really getting to start as a freshman and start every game that I ever played. That's obviously very unusual. And I, I mean, Fred, I played with really good players. I mean, obviously Gerald Glass, who was an NBA player, uh, was, was with me, was with me my junior or my, my sophomore junior years. I mean, when you're playing with a guy that's an NBA player, one thing about having assists, you can make good passes, but if the guys don't make shots, you don't get the assist. And so being able to play with guys like Gerald and, a couple guys that actually played in the CBA. I mean, it, it was incredible the the talent that I played with. I, I was not a great player. I was a smart player and could get it to the right guys, and that's what I did. And so I was just fortunate enough to play with good players. So eleven years after you graduated from uh, from high school, uh, you got your first head coaching job. That was at South Dakota State. It was a little bit uh, overwhelming at at that age to be that young and and all of a sudden in charge of a, a men's college basketball program. Yeah, I, I would say without question, one of the most overwhelming things I ever faced. Uh, you know, you apply for the job and 
if you get it, then, then, you know, you're, you're, I was a little bit shocked to be honest. And obviously I was at South Dakota state previously and uh, we did well there when I was an assistant, my head coach lost his job for not reasons because we weren't winning because we were. Uh, and I left there for two years, the job opened up. I, I reapplied, didn't think I was going to get it. And then I, I ended up getting it. And, um, I remember telling my wife, you know, I was 28 years old when I got the job. And I remember saying, if I screw this up, this is probably it. I mean, where do you go from being a head coach? Uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is everything you're trying to do is be a head coach. And what if you screw it up, then where do you go? And so it, it was very overwhelming to me for sure. Well, and of course, at the time, um, South Dakota State was Division Two, so you kind of oversaw the process of going from Division Two to Division One while you were there, didn't you? No, we did, and and you know we had it was one of the best Division Two jobs in the country, without question. And uh, you know we drew we, we drew probably five four to five thousand people a game, Division Two games. It was really the only show in town. I mean, really, South Dakota State is uh, what the University of Illinois is to the state of Illinois. That's what South Dakota State was to the state of South Dakota. It's a smaller pond, but uh, the people are, are just have a very high interest in basketball. There isn't a lot to do there in the winter other than watch basketball, and they're pretty tough winners in South Dakota. Uh, but, but the Division II era that we had there, we won 80% of our games, which is unheard of, quite frankly. And uh, I, I mean, I coached some tremendous players while we did that. We, we made the transition probably about uh, halfway through my years there at South Dakota State from Division II, Division One, and it was a tough transition for sure. We we didn't have a league. We had a five-year moratorium on whether you could play in the NCAA tournament. You're, when, when, when you're trying to play Division One schedule and you don't have a league, it's, it's obviously a very difficult thing to do, particularly in January and February when you're trying to find games. And we're flying all over the country playing games and it was it was hard to keep players. We kept losing players, transferring, and so it, it, it was a definite, uh, definitely a very difficult transition for us. As you look back, what were some of the keys to your success early in your coaching career? Some of the things that kind of helped you get established. Uh, probably above everything else, just having good players. Uh, I, I was very fortunate. Number one, when I went back to South Dakota State as the head coach, I got I was able to coach four or five guys that I had recruited before I left there the previous time that, that were freshmen and sophomores when I left. And when I went back, were juniors and seniors. And so they were guys that I knew, guys that knew me, guys that already trusted me. Uh, and so that, that was a big benefit to me, I think, in terms of starting out as a head coach, to be able to coach guys that I knew that already trusted me. And we were very fortunate. I think my first three years, we went 75 and 10. And, uh, you know, that, that just is pretty much unheard of. And I remember my dad telling me, you need to get out of there right now because it's not going to get any better. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, he was always thinking the negative. And, uh, but but uh, I, I used to look at my assistant, and I would say that was part of it too. One of the things I did very well was hire good assistants. And early on I had uh, Matt Morgenthaler, who's been the head coach at, at – uh, Mankato State uh, University in Mankato for uh, well over 20 years now, but Matt was my assistant when I started. Matt was the son of, of Jack Morgenthaler, who I was his assistant at SIUE. And so, but Matt did a great job for me. He recruited great players. And I, I, I know above everything else in terms of being a good coach, if you have good players, it really gives you a good chance. 
talk about the recruiting aspect. Is that something that, that you enjoy or has that just gotten so cutthroat that it's, it's almost uh, something that you, you don't look forward to? Uh, I, I would say I've never, you know, if I was to be honest, it's, it's not the most enjoyable thing I do. It's, it, it doesn't really fit my personality. Uh, I'm not a very vivacious, friendly guy. And, uh, so, so that, that's what I say. I think I, probably one of the best things I've done is hire people that are different than me that do a much better job of that than I do. I'm very straightforward, very honest in terms of, of what I'm trying to get done. I'm not much of a salesman in terms of uh, telling guys how great things are going to be all the time. I'd rather tell them exactly how it's going to be so that when they get here, they're not shocked by how tough it is because college basketball is tough. And, and over the 27 years that I've coached, it's gotten tougher. Uh, the, the, I, I would say the kids have gotten, gotten more entitled you know, it didn't used to be all the AAU and, and all the other stuff. And now the, the, the things that we deal with, uh, the kids have been much more pampered. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's, that's reality. And uh, really, the, 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 the group of young men that, that we can coach that are going to be able to handle what we're going to put them through has gotten smaller. And, and so it's, it's the recruiting aspect of it, it really is probably one of the things that is the most difficult for me. I really enjoy coaching the guys we have and molding that group. Uh, but obviously the recruiting is the most important thing we do. And so I'm very thankful for the assistants that I've had who've done a great job and put us in a position to recruit good guys. And then obviously I'm the guy that has to come in at the end and, and make the hard sell, but we're pretty honest about what we do. And we're, we're very, up front and and I never want somebody coming to Wright State or when I was at South Coast, I would never want them there and get there and say, man, this is nothing like what they told me, uh, which I think happens at a lot of places. Uh, I would much rather them come and go, this is way better than what they said. And uh, so I, I, I make it, I, I, I'm very honest in terms of, of what this is gonna be like and how difficult it's gonna be. Could you even imagine right now uh, being a first-year head coach, getting ready to, to coach your very first college basketball team with what's going on with the NIL, the national, uh, you know, the, the letter that um, uh, allows some of the students, I mean, they can make $100,000 with that and the transfer portal because... Yeah. Even more so. And it, 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 I, I'm just, I really, really have been shocked uh, over the past year how quickly things have changed. And uh, we lost two players this year, one who would be a senior and one who would be a junior that averaged 20 points and 18 points a game for us. And we're getting everything they wanted and we're completely happy uh, with being a part of the Wright State program and winning and, and doing all those things and left our program because they can go get more money somewhere else. And, and so as a coach and a man, what do I say to them? Uh, and so it, it, is, it is a completely different ball game now uh, I'm not, I, it would be very, very difficult to convince me that even though these young men can get this kind of money, that it's necessarily good for them. I think there's, there's lessons to be learned, uh, but, it, but it's reality. And so it's, it's, you know, it's the reality that I have to live in and have to figure out and navigate through. And, and even at Wright State, you know, we, uh, I mean, we, we have NIL deals and, deals and all those things. And uh, 
So it's, it's a little bit unusual for me. Uh, I would say that I'm glad I'm on the back end of my career. Uh, I would not want to be uncoached. Like I have a son who was a walk-on for us uh, these past three years, graduated in three years, uh, TJ, and he's going to go on and wants to get into college coaching. He's going to be a GA this year. And I look at him getting into this and just how much different it is now. Uh, I, I would really not want that in terms of, of, of what I had to face because it, 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 particularly if you're idealistic and usually young coaches, when they get into it, they're very idealistic. Uh, I think it can be such a shock to them because it, it, when you talk about recruiting now, everybody says, oh, recruiting is about relationships. It's, it's at this level now, it's not about relationships. It's about whether or not you can buy a player, quite frankly. And, and cheating has just become legal. And it's kind of funny to watch the teams that you know uh, would have a propensity to cheat. They don't even know what to do now because they can't even cheat. And, <laughs> and they're the ones that are struggling. And so it's, it's funny to watch it from that, from that end, but, but it's a, it's a whole different ball game for sure. So when you, when you talk to your son, do you think you're sounding like your dad did a couple of decades ago about, Oh boy, you shouldn't get into coaching. That uh, that's not the thing to do or, or not. Yeah, no, I don't tell him that. I don't uh, because I, I want him to do what he's passionate about. I really do. I'm not trying to protect him. I think, you know, that, that was my dad's deal he was trying to protect me because he knew the pitfalls of, of college coaching, but there's pitfalls and everything. I mean, if you were going to, it, it doesn't matter what your profession is. There's, there's pitfalls. He didn't know what they would be in some other profession. He just knew what they were in college basketball. I know what they are. Uh, but if he went into something else, he would have pitfalls. And there's, and there's always people that, that uh, don't do it the way that you would do it. It doesn't matter what profession it is. And, and so I'm all for him being in college basketball. I don't think it's easy but I don't think it would be easy in terms of whatever he did. What was it like for you as a dad to have your son on the team and, and you know, be one of his coaches? Was that a, a difficult uh, thing to navigate? It really wasn't for, for, for TJ and me. I think, you know, I, I've, I've said this as I've, as I've gotten older and now had, had kids in college and uh, had a chance to coach at least one of my sons. I think if you're going to coach your son, he either better be the very best player on the team and everybody knows it, or he needs to be a, a, a player where he's not overly talented and you and he both know it and that he shouldn't be playing. And so I would say in my case and in TJ's case, he was a walk-on. He wasn't overly talented. He worked hard. He was a great teammate. But he knew that he wasn't going to play, and I knew he wasn't going to play, and so it didn't really hurt our relationship. But anything in between that, where maybe he could play or should we play him or should we not? I, I, I can't imagine how difficult that would be on a father-son relationship and the relationship with the coach and the fans and all those other things. And so if, if, if your son's the best player and everybody knows it, then, you know, it's, it, it doesn't really affect you. If he's one of the players that shouldn't play and everybody knows it, it doesn't affect you. Anything in between, I think, would be very difficult. So a couple of years ago, in the, uh, you, you got a transfer. Uh, Tim Finke came from Grand, uh, Grand uh, Canyon College. Uh, of course, Tim grew up in Champaign, uh, not your high school. He, he wound up going to Central High School. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, having the opportunity to, to coach somebody from, from Champaign. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a great story because uh, Jeff Finke came to the University of Illinois, and my dad recruited him to play basketball. And then he, and then he went on and played football 
eventually instead and, and was a very good football player at the University of Illinois and married Laura Fink. And Laura actually went to Centennial High School and uh, she, she was there. She was a freshman when I was a freshman in college. And so she was four years younger than me. But uh, so there's good connections there. Tim has been a really good player for us. He's been on good basketball teams. He had a great year last year. Uh, you know, our best defender, our best teammate. You know, I, I was considering even last year, even though, you know, most people look at your team and say, oh, the leading scorer is your best player, all those things. The first team, second team, Tim was none of that, but but he was our most viable player because he was kind of the glue and, and he's a tremendous defender. Uh, I, I don't think he had the kind of year offensively he wanted to have. I think he'll, he'll have more of that this year, but uh, he's been a joy to coach and – uh, you know, it's been a joy to get to know him, and, and we're just glad he's here. So what advice would you give if there is a, a young uh, high school kid now that said, uh, you know, six, eight years from now, I'm going to get into to coaching. I'd like to be a college coach. Uh, what, what kind of advice would you give a young man like that? Well, I think mostly it would be to, to, to get under, get involved with a program that, that they respect and that they can learn from, and then uh, you know, I think it, it's it's important to get in some different programs, too, and not just one. Uh, and that's why I'm glad my, my son TJ is going on and getting into a different program, going to be a GA somewhere else, somebody that we have high respect for, but does it differently than we do. And so that he can learn and he may get some ideas and, and want to do things differently than how his dad does. I don't expect him to do it the way I do it. And so I, I think that that's the most important thing if they want to coach is uh, that, that they get under two or three people that they respect, they can learn from, and they're going to see things that uh, they really like and things they want to do. And then they're going to see some things, doesn't matter who it is and how much respect they have for them, they're going to see some things that they don't like and things that they would do differently. And, and so it's pretty important to mold your program uh, so that you're comfortable with everything that's going on because it has to be, it, you, you have to do it the way you would do it and not the way somebody else would do it because we're all very different. You say uh, your years as head coach overall, has it been an enjoyable time for you? Are you glad that uh, you followed through with the, the passion and the interest you had back in high school? Yeah, I, I you know, I mean, uh, I honestly, Fred, I can't believe the success we've had. Uh, I've been very fortunate. Uh, it's just been, I mean, you know, it, it's just been incredible. It really has. Now it hasn't been easy. Uh, even, you know, there's pressure no matter what, whether you're good or you're bad. There's always expectations. People expect you to be good or they expect you to be bad. All of that carries pressure. Uh, I wouldn't say that I've always handled that well. I think, you know, my wife would be the first to say that because uh, she's the one that has to deal with me when I come home. And, it, uh, you know, these, these 27 years of being a head coach have been hard. They've been hard on me. They've been hard on my family, uh, hard on our marriage. Uh, but in terms of the success we've had, I, I – I couldn't ask for any more. I really couldn't. You know, I've, I've gotten a coach in five NCAA tournaments. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, they, they think they want to be a Division One head college basketball coach. And, and I, I explained to them that that, you know, you, in terms of the numbers, if you just look at it, it's more difficult to become a Division One head men's basketball coach than it is to play in the NBA. There's more, there's more NBA players than there are Division One head basketball coaches. Sure. Uh, and so it's, it's, I think people look at it and see on TV and think it's glamorous and all that, and they don't understand the pressure that goes with it. Uh, I, you know, I, and, and really most of coaching 
most of the guys don't make that much money. They're in it for the right reasons uh, to help young men and to guide young men. If they're trying to get into it because of the glamour and the money and all that, very few people make it uh, to the level that I'm at. So I consider myself very fortunate. I've made a good living coaching basketball. Uh, and, and honestly, I look back on it and just very, very thankful that I've gotten to be a part of a bunch of really good teams. And, uh, you know, we, we've won over 500 games. It's funny, you know, I mean, I have over 500 wins credited to me. And I always say this, I haven't made one basket. I've just coached a bunch of really good players and had a bunch of really good assistants and great support at home for my wife and my kids. Well, I think, in fact, the, the total is 541, if I, if I have this added up correctly, 541 wins in your coaching career. And I did want to point out, I think of the, what now, 27 years as a head coach, 17 of those, 20 or more wins in a season. So, I mean, that shows consistency over a, a long period of time to have a, a record like that at, at the college level. Yeah, and, it, it, you know, we had that little stretch there. When we, when we made that transition to the Division One level, South Coast State, where we weren't very good, and it made me, it made me question why I was even doing this. You know, I, uh, I, I had to really go back and figure out what was the most important things to me, because I'd won my whole life, and it, and really it had been easy. It, it, it had almost been a joke, and when, when things got tough, I really didn't know how to handle it. I'm thankful for that time period where we didn't win a lot of games because it, it brought me back kind of to my, to my base and what's most important to me. And particularly that's my relationship with God. Uh, I, I was to that point where I wanted to win more than I wanted to know God. And, and when I wasn't winning, I had to figure out, Hey, what's most important. And I, I was thankful for that. It made me a better coach. And uh, uh, it was a hard, very difficult time. I'm very thankful for all the wins and, and all the 20 win seasons and all that, but I know it's because we've had good players and I've had great assistant coaches. All right. Well, Scott, I appreciate your time today. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to add before I let you go? No, I, no, I appreciate this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love champagne. I still, the family that I grew up with in high school and lived with, you know, my last few years, the Hurgis family is still there. I get back there uh, every so often to see them and, uh, that keeps me connected to Champagne, but I really miss it. All right. Well, we've been talking today with uh, Scott Nagy, a uh, men's basketball head coach at Wright State, about to enter his seventh year as a head coach there. Scott, we appreciate your time. Thank you.